previously on Murder at Ryan's Run. John was never in a fight in his life, ever. He he must have been an easy kid for his parents to raise because he was just sweet all the time. He he was just easy, fun, and always laughing and joking. John lived at the house, and I would see him in passing because he lived, Hey, Wit, hey, how you doing, Wit? How you doing? He was just so nice. I remember John Gobrat when I was a... a little kid. I remember him being really tall, and I remember him smiling a lot. She was uh, just to throw things at him, hit him, scratch him, a classic clear-cut case that fit all the criteria of domestic violence. He had let it be known through attorneys that he was seeking divorce and that he wanted custody of Zach. They will lie, humiliate you, make it so that you can't work. They will completely invade your life. I know because I watched them do it to John, and I participated. They wanted us to watch him, watch his house, watch his movements. I'm Beth McNamara, and this is Murder at Ryan's Run. Quick note, at this time, Pixie Africa, who you've heard from in this podcast, has forsaken her move name in favor of being called June. With June's blessing, in this episode, we're going to refer to her as Pixie Africa again. And all the former move members speaking with the last name Africa, so that you can keep straight who are members of MOVE at this time. The last episode was titled Gilbride versus Gilbride and focused on witness testimony from three days of custody hearings. And it became very clear that it was never Alberta versus John. It was always Alberta and MOVE versus John. Every MOVE member was involved from the moment that John Gilbride escaped MOVE. Surveillance, threatening letters to John's employer, harassing flyers, demonstrations in John's family's neighborhood. At this point in the story, it's been four years since John left MOVE and Alberta. It's the summer of 2002 when John runs into Sean, his childhood friend you have heard on this podcast. Even though John had cut Sean out of his life when he joined MOVE after high school, Sean says it was so good to see him. You pick up right where you left off, you're still really good friends. I knew he had had a son and was having some problems with supervised visits and whatnot. So I'm still fighting it in court, and I couldn't understand why he couldn't see his son because, I mean, this guy, he was a, he was a good guy. I, I find it unfathomable that you can't see your child. It's just upsetting. He just said, yeah, fighting this, and I'm dealing with it. He was hopeful, and you could see that energy back in him, like something was coming down the pipeline that was going to change things. And I wished him, you know, best of luck on it. John is going to need more than good luck, because in MOVE, he's considered the enemy, a traitor to all MOVE members, even the children. This is Josh Africa, who is just 10 years old in 2002. I remember Bert and Rhea talking bad about him, but I don't remember anyone else talking bad about him. Said he was an enemy. And this is Pixie Africa, the daughter of Pam Africa, the Minister of Confrontation for MOVE. Pixie is just 12 years old at this time. They had a lot of meetings with us about John and how bad he is. He's a cop now, and he wants to kill Zach, and he wants to kill Bert. And basically, if we love the coordinator, then we had to do whatever we had to do to protect them. Children in MOVE are being told John is going to kill their leader, Alberta, and six-year-old Zachary. The children are asked to be prepared to fight. We were told to put on our boots, be ready to fight, pretty much kick, hit them in the groin area. They was telling us that we needed to fight the people that was trying to take Zach away. And we better fight hard because they were trying to kill us. It was that time when they put us all in a van. This is Wit Africa, who at the time was a mother of four in her early 20s in MOVE. 
They was just like, come on, y'all get in the car. We got to go up Burks because John is trying to do this, that, and a third. Alberta has ordered for MOVE members to come to her house in Cherry Hill before John arrives for his scheduled court-ordered visitation with Zach. And on the way up there, they was just saying how Pixie being the youngest and Josh, she told them to jump John. I remember her saying they're pretty strong. Pixie is pretty strong. And two together can do some damage. One of them could just jump on his back and from behind scratch his eyes out and telling how she was going to have them do this. Then they won't go to jail because they're considered minors. She was going to have a nine-year-old and a 12-year-old jump on a 34-year-old man who's 6'3"? Yeah. The move cult van arrives at Alberta's and Witt says they were given their hiding positions, either upstairs or in the basement. If Bert yells, then they're to spring into action and attack John. Witt says they had to be completely silent and keep their kids silent for more than an hour until John leaves unaware that the whole time he could have been ambushed on Bert's command. Move has always been small as far as actual members, and so since their inception in the 1970s, they have relied on supporters of varying degrees of commitment for everything they do. No matter how many years you are a supporter of Move, and no matter how dedicated you are to their causes— the teachings of John Africa, or the current leader, Alberta. After 1985, they had a policy that nobody could officially join MOVE as a member. To carry the last name Africa would be to carry a huge burden on your shoulders, and it would be too much for people to take. This is former MOVE supporter Tony Allen. You first heard him in the previous episode as the Tony that Alberta testifies to not really knowing. Supporters do all the same things that MOVE members do. And in fact, I had seen supporters that were far more ardent and far more devoted to MOVE than like some of the other MOVE members. Tony Allen and his young wife, Lori, are devoted supporters, along with Kevin Price, who gets involved with MOVE when he was just 14 years old. You've heard from Kevin Price many times in this podcast, right at the beginning in the teaser leaving MOVE, and then again in the Ryan's Run episode, where he talks about flyering John's apartment community, Ryan's Run. If they allowed people to become a MOVE member, I would have unquestionably dedicated my life, taken the last name Africa. I would have jumped at the opportunity. At this point in our story, Kevin has been living with MOVE since three days after graduating high school the year before. Committed supporters are inner circle. MOVE is their identity, their social circle, their housing situation. Most of them have distanced themselves from their own families, what MOVE calls system families, in favor of the chosen family of MOVE. Have family meals with me and give me hugs, big, warm hugs. I mean, I'll tell you, anybody who's ever hugged a Roman Africa will tell you. She gives great hugs, amazing hugs. They're all pretty good. Good huggers. And, and, and that's a big one. The head of the Move family is Alberta. So her divorce and four-year custody battle with John, it's a supporter fight too. The Zachary Gilbride custody case in Philadelphia Family Court has dragged on for almost four years. When the judge retires and the case gets assigned to Judge Shelley Robbins New in late June 2002. Weeks later, on August 8th, Judge Robbins New issues a ruling. Primary custody will remain with Alberta, but John is to have unsupervised weekend visitation twice a month and shared holidays. And this custody case will no longer be handled in Philadelphia. It will be under New Jersey jurisdiction because that is where all the parties reside. John and his mom, Frances, celebrate by going out to buy furniture for Zach's bedroom for when he visits. For Alberta, this ruling is a direct affront to her cult authority. She flipped out. This is former MOVE member Mario Africa. 
This is MOVE versus the courts. This is MOVE versus the government. It's war. It's war. Mario is married to a MOVE member and part of the inner circle. We would come up with slander and strategy, and then we would get the supporters to act on it. When MOVE leadership tells a member or a supporter to do something, it's referred to as an activity. Kevin Price explains. Things are referred to as activities and left at that until on a need-to-know basis. If you need to tell another MOVE member or supporter that there's something that you have to do that makes you unavailable during a certain time, you just say, I have an activity then. And that essentially is code for there's a move sanctioned thing that I have to do that I'm not allowed to talk to you about. That's totally implicit. And you learn that very quickly. If someone says I was on an activity or I had an activity or I have an activity next week, the way that language works is do not ask me what I'm doing because you'll be crossing a boundary. Essentially, if you say I have an activity, that means that whatever you're doing has been sanctioned by Rhea or Bert. What I was being taught was to only give other people a minimal amount of information about whatever I was doing. And the only people who actually needed to know what I was doing are Rhea and Bert. Right after John Gilbride is awarded visitation, Kevin is given a move activity to distribute a move message in the form of a flyer. Given to myself and a few other white move supporters who Rhea and Alberta felt could not be noticed, you know, dressed nicely so that people wouldn't pay us much mind. And we went door to door and just left this flyer in maybe 200 mailboxes in all of the houses surrounding Judge Shelley Revenue's house. Judges don't publicize their home address, correct? Correct. But people in move knew where she lived. The flyer is one page, typed, all caps. Why would any reputable family court judge do what Judge Shelley Robbins knew did on August 8th, 2002? On July 31st, 2002, Judge New ordered John Gilbride to continue the supervised visitation stipulated in Judge Edward Rosenberg's October 18th, 2001 order. John Gilbride had expressed to the court several times that he enjoyed those visits in his son's home. Once Judge New's order of July 31st, 2002 went into effect and these visits resumed, John Gilbride and his son were on the road to rebuilding the father-son relationship. Things were improving. John was not dissatisfied. And most importantly, the child was happy. He was secure and he was safe. Then Shelley Robbins knew did a 90 degree turnaround just at the point when the situation was improving and the family courts recognized that steady improvement taking place. It was then that Judge Shelley Robbins knew issued an order that the court knew would only serve to incite Alberta, provoke John Gilbride and disrupt the peace of the court's witness developing. This was done either deliberately or out of sheer negligence on the part of Judge Shelley Robbins New. Deliberate because each and every city official knows full well how MOVE feels about their children and religious belief, and negligent because she ignored the wishes of the child to not be separated from his mother, and because she was merely authorized to review the progress of the case, not overturn the existing court order. Let it be clear that the child himself said to Judge Edward Rosenberg on May 7, 2001, in a private court interview, I love my father, but I'm afraid of him. And furthermore, he stated he would only go with his father, quote, if mama can come. 
Judge New stated to John Gilbride in her court order that he should respect Moo's belief. She then proceeded to disrespect Moo's belief herself by issuing a court order demanding that a Moo mother give up her child. Whoever is reading this should know that once again, you're being given the opportunity to stop a disaster before it starts, the same as before May 13th, 1985. Are you going to be as insensitive and unresponsive now as the media and the city's elected officials were then? Will you sit back and apathetically watch innocent move women, babies, men, and animals be slaughtered again? How will you justify it? What will you say? That the father who abandoned his son wanted his way, but the mother who is a loving, attentive, nurturing mother would not violate her religious belief and jeopardize her son, so he killed her, her son, and their family? Unlike in 1985, in 2002, the eyes of the world are on Philadelphia before a potential disaster. Take heed. Move. Judge Shelley Robbins New and her family are provided a 24-hour Philadelphia police detail for more than a week. Then, John Gilbride's mother, Frances, gets something in the mail. August 2002. Dear Frances, here are a few photographs of your grandson. It's been a long time, and there's some catching up that needs to be done. I'm not much on taking home photos, so most of them you'll see are from events. Thank you for your generosity that day in court. I do appreciate you telling me that you love Zachary. That is something that's very important to me. I'm looking forward to your visit September 29th. In the meantime, please take care and give my regards to your husband and family. Sincerely, Alberta. Hope you enjoy the photos. Uh, August 15th, 2002. So that's more than like five weeks before John's murder. Why would Alberta send a nice personal note with pictures of Zach to his grandmother, Frances Gilbride, who Move said in a flyer and on posters was a pedophile. At the same time, she is alerting all of Philadelphia that John is abusive and trying to attack Move. Throughout Move's 50-year history, they have always protested and targeted Philadelphia officials and politicians. A longtime foe of Move is Ed Rendell, the former district attorney and then the mayor of Philadelphia, running for governor of Pennsylvania. This is from the city paper, August 18th, 2002. The headline, On a Move Towards Ed. On Thursday and Friday, Move members plan to demonstrate in front of Rendell's Center City Campaign Headquarters, protesting a recent family court decision. According to MOVE spokesperson, Tiffany Robbins, it is against their tenets of their religion to separate a child from his mother, especially into the hands of a non-member, like the father of the child in question, whom Robin brands a traitor. The article ends with, quote, according to Robbins, MOVE plans to remain a thorn in Rendell's side throughout the campaign and beyond. MOVE supporters then also distribute a flyer targeting Ed Rendell, that conjures up the two violent confrontations with MOVE, 1978, and of course, May 13th, 1985. This is Kevin Price again. Myself and a few other white MOVE supporters, dressed well enough to not be noticed, again, left a few hundred flyers in mailboxes surrounding his residence, uh, at least a couple blocks in each direction. He was also, at the time, very high up in the the DNC. He had a DNC-related office, so we, at that time, were ticketing at, at both locations and were leafleting about Rendell fairly heavily because his political career seemed to be on the rise at the time. John's unsupervised visitation will start in a few weeks. On August 27, 2002, John shows up for the last supervised visit with Zach in Cherry Hill at the home John once shared with Alberta and Zach. 
John is coming for a visit, but they wanted to talk to me first. They had me come to the house. This is Mario Hardy, the former Mario Africa. The people who were present at the house was Alberta, Sue, Carlos, Ramona, and me. Yeah, they had a strategy. They said, listen, this is what's going to happen. John is coming for a visit with, with Zach. When he gets here, Alberta's not going to let him see Zach. She's going to refuse. What's going to happen is John is going to get pissed off. He is going to be angry. He's going to start screaming and hollering. And he, because he's an abuser, he may get physical with Bert. You stay in the garage because right where they were going to be on the first floor, the, the door to the garage was like right off the kitchen. So you could basically hear everything. At the point where he gets physical with Bert, she's going to make noise. Once you hear that, you come in and, and you pull John off of her. That was the strategy. They told me this verbatim. Everything goes according to script. She tells him, you're not seeing him, but this is my day f-bombs start flying everything else i hear a scuffle i hear her making the noise i come in and he did have her by the arm when i saw that i grabbed him and threw him off of her and he fell down and i stood over him and told him quote if you ever put your hands on my sister again i'll fucking kill you at that point he gets up he leaves me alberta and ramona go to jfk hospital on in cherry hill to get a medical report but she she got a like a sling and a brace and everything for her arm and she documented that. And then we went and made a police report. According to a Cherry Hill police report, this is John Gilbride's account of the incident. As verbal argument ensued, two men, Carlos Africa and Mario Africa, came from the garage and into the kitchen, harassing me verbally and physically. As I tried to leave the residence, Mrs. Gilbride locked the front door and stood in front of it. Mario Africa grabbed my shirt and said, move and I'll kill you. I then grabbed my cell phone and called 911. Upon calling 911, Mrs. Gilbride removed herself from in front of the door and Mario and Carlos backed away from me. When I finished with the 911 call, I unlocked the front door and waited outside for the police to arrive. Wit Africa remembers that Alberta walked into MOVE headquarters wearing the arm sling. And we were asking, like, what the heck happened? Because we had just saw her. She was like, oh, no, it's okay. She was abusing John like she had been doing. And this time he caught her trying to catch it from her hitting him. And she hit her arm on either the table or something trying to defend herself from her. She said she went to the hospital to get it documented that she got into it and John had abused her. Everybody was looking at each other. Nobody is going to believe that John really abused you, Bert, for real. And she was like, no, it's just for court. The entire incident was a move set up from the beginning. So that she could introduce it in court as John Gilbride being a physical abuser and having abused her in the same house as her son. But just luckily enough, me, her brother, just happened to be there to defend her. The following week, they are all in court. Alberta, Mario, Rhea, Ramona, Carlos, and their lawyer slash alleged longtime supporter, Angela Martinez, all alleging that John had assaulted Alberta. Ramona started lying. Sue's told a different story. Alberta made up some other dumb shit. Carlos made up some other fucking ridiculous shit. And I told what had actually happened. So now you have a situation where you got like, what, five people saying completely different things. And she was completely discredited. They blew it. They completely screwed themselves through their addiction to life. Even though Alberta is discredited in court and John is not considered guilty of domestic assault, within days, supporters of MOVE and Mumia Abu-Jamal, who consider themselves journalists in the alternative press, begin posting. This is from the San Francisco Bay Area Independent Media Center, titled Emergency, 
two exclamation marks, Move Organization Under Attack by Hans Bennett. At the time, Hans Bennett is the night manager of the Center City Kinkos. We have a real emergency on our hands here in Philadelphia. Today, the Camden County Court denied Move's restraining order on John Gilbride. This is very bad news. I am posting this article as a concerned Philadelphia journalist, currently working with Insubordination and AWOL magazines, who has spent the last year conducting interviews with Pam, Ramona, and Mario Africa, as well as writing about and photo-documenting the MOVE organization and the struggle for Mumia Abu-Jamal's life and freedom in Philadelphia today. I am very worried that if we do not spread the word and challenge the Philadelphia authorities as much and as soon as possible, we may very well have another massacre on our hands. Two days later, the Freedom Journal, Free Mumia Now, an online publication, has a supporter put out a statement from Alberta, Africa, alleging that John Gilbride physically abused her, requiring her to take out a restraining order. And so Alberta is asking all supporters to pressure the top judge of the Philadelphia Family Court to overturn Judge Robin's news visitation orders. John's sister, Alicia, who's 28 at the time, remembers a phone call from John. My mom was at work and he called one day and they were just talking and I don't know how they even got on the subject, but if anything ever happened to me, like I want to be cremated. John tells his mother he doesn't want to be buried in the ground. And my mom's like, don't talk like that or whatever. And he was just telling her that. With his father, Jack, John Gilbride was much more direct about his fears. John clearly said to me, you know I can get killed for this. Concerned for John, but also for his grandson, Zachary, Jack tells John, we are who we are and we cannot abandon our family. On August 30th, Alberta files a motion for stay of proceedings with the family court judge. On September 5th, Alberta's stay of proceedings is denied by Judge Robbins New. The next day at 4 p.m., John goes to pick up Zachary at his home in Cherry Hill for the first unsupervised weekend court-ordered visit. Zachary isn't there. Alberta is in contempt of court. John is not wanting all of this to be known at U.S. Air where he works, but he does confide in Gunny, a close co-worker for 10 years. He felt like there was danger for himself and possibly even the relationship with his child if he if he wasn't careful in how he proceeded in a way to where it was protective of his son and even for himself. Because uh, I can remember a couple of times that he felt like that uh, the way he was talking and stuff was like he had a target that was on his back. Did he specifically use that language with you? Yes. September 11th, Alberta files an appeal to the judge's order. On September 13th, Alberta's appeal is denied. Later that same day, John arrives again to pick up Zachary. Mary Robbins Africa answers the door, saying, neither Zach or Alberta are here. Alberta is again in contempt of court. There were endless hours of flyerings and all sorts of just almost around-the-clock activity at that time. This is Kevin Price again talking about two flyers distributed in the neighborhood of MOVE headquarters in West Philadelphia. Uh, The text says, neighborhood alert, in very bold, large text, police starting another confrontation with MOVE. Below that is the grainy image of the helicopter which dropped the bomb on the MOVE house in 1985. To the right of that image, it says, May 13th, never again. Supporters were coming in from all up and down the East Coast, mainly at that time, kind of taking shifts, getting these flyers out 
15 or 20 people going out at a time. We set up grid systems to make sure every house in West Philadelphia, in that section of West Philadelphia, Southwest Philly, was hit. People were going out every day, so the goal was for all of the houses that we were able to flyer to be hit multiple times. How many people are we talking about campaign? To distribute this flyer? Yeah. 30 to 40 people. I would think somewhere around 10 or 15,000 copies. You're talking about 15,000 flyers. Who paid for that? A supporter, the guy who wrote so many of those articles, was the manager at the Center City Kinko's. He would actually make the copies for us and we would just come pick them up. So it was as if we were paid customers. When we were distributing these, this was in the two weeks before John was murdered. In addition to flyers, there are also internet postings going up on blogs, listservs, and online news sites that you might categorize as radical. Alert, police starting another move confrontation. Alert from friends of move on police harassment in Philly. Help stop police attack on move. All of these posts mention that this situation is going to be another May 13th. The blood of innocent women and children will be spilled. That this is an attempt to neutralize the move organization. All of the alerts provide names and phone numbers of both judges and Philadelphia politicians. Back at MOVE headquarters, a decision is made, and everyone is called to come down to headquarters immediately. This is what Wit Africa remembers hearing Alberta say. I remember her saying, come on, it's on. She was on the phone with somebody and said, y'all want to play? Board up the houses. MOVE members and supporters have affixed wooden slats across all the windows of the twin Victorian house known as MOVE headquarters. The younger men blurring it up. This is Josh Africa again. The house started to get dark enough because the slats covered the windows. May 20th, 1977. August 8th, 1978. May 13th, 1985. These are all dates of armed move confrontations with police that first began with move boarding up their headquarters with slats on the windows. 1978 and 1985 ended in death and destruction. September 17th, 2002, MOVE is sending a very clear message to Philadelphia. Try and come in here and you know what you will get. All MOVE members are either inside the house or out front in the yard on watch. No one can come in and no one can leave. I was getting a little nervous. I was confused. Wasn't allowed to ask any questions. MOVE supporters are also getting very nervous. This is Bob Massey. It was a very scary time. There's a lot of tension, a lot of anxiety. It was you know, obvious that the activity around the house on our side was ramping up. I think the police took notice of that very quickly. It was all over the news media at the time. A CNN news truck is parked outside of Move's fortified house, along with local reporters. Ramona Africa, Move's Minister of Information, and the only adult survivor of the bombing on May 13, 1985, says this to reporters about the slats. That's our strategy. It's just Move's strategy. We've been letting people know this is a serious situation developing here. Pam Africa, MOVE's Minister of Confrontation, and the mother of 13-year-old Pixie, says this, We don't want no confrontation, but there's been every opportunity for this to be resolved peacefully. In addition to the full attention of the press, Witt says that MOVE leadership, Rhea and Bert, also have a direct line to the Philadelphia police. I remember Rhea saying, call his name, call him, go get him, because this is crazy. Like every time something didn't go, wanted it to go or thought it should go, they would call him. Bill Fisher? Yeah. Rhea would say, call Fisher. Get Fisher out here. Ten-year-old Josh Africa remembers Captain Fisher at MOVE headquarters in September 2002. I seen him from the window, from the third floor. Seeing him at the gate of King Sesson. There was people out there like 
Bert was out there. And uh, Rio was out there. I think Mona might have been out there. You can tell when he get mad because his face turned really red. According to public reporting, Philadelphia authorities are meeting with MOVE leadership. September 16th, Captain William Fisher, head of the Police Civil Affairs Unit, met with Ramona and Pam Africa over the fence at the house yesterday. We're going to try and keep the lines of communication open on this, Fisher said. Police Commissioner Sylvester Johnson said yesterday that he had spoken on the telephone, Pam Africa, and had assured her that the police would not initiate a confrontation. I promised them that the Philadelphia Police Department will not come into their home and have any sort of confrontation, especially over a matter that's still in the court. The matter is no longer in the courts. If Alberta does not comply with the court orders, then she is in contempt of court, which means authorities can arrest her wherever she is. Basically, Philadelphia is saying they're not going to get involved. On September 18th, the mayor of Philadelphia, John Street, is asked about the situation at a press conference, and he says it's a domestic relations issue. It is a child custody problem that is a New Jersey problem, and it is not even a Philadelphia problem. And he said he was not concerned about move boarding up the windows. Because, quote, there is not a law against it. Slats on windows is definitely a fire code violation. Signs on a fortified house that say hands off move, Philadelphia Family Court supports child abuse, and this custody case is nothing but a witch hunt so cops can kill more move babies, should send off alarm bells with Child Protective Services and law enforcement. Especially because this is move. And everyone in Philadelphia knows their history has a body count, with at least six of the victims being move children. Philadelphia residents who live within 15 blocks of move headquarters have just received another move flyer, distributed by supporters like Kevin Price. On May 13, 1985, police dropped a bomb on a move house in West Philadelphia. 11 people, including five children, were killed. 61 homes in a mostly African-American neighborhood were incinerated, leaving hundreds homeless. Underneath that, it says, what you can do, demonstrate in support of move. Friday, September 20th, 12 p.m., meet at 4504 King Sussing Avenue in West Philadelphia. Transportation will be provided to Cherry Hill, New Jersey. At this point, MOVE is calling in all supporters from Philadelphia, New York, Maryland, and even as far as New Mexico to take up Alberta's fight against John in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. The Philadelphia Inquirer got one of these because they wrote about this planned demonstration in Cherry Hill against John Gilbride before it even happened. MOVE is bringing rally to New Jersey town. A member is fighting to keep her son from his father. The demonstration starts in West Philadelphia. It ends in Cherry Hill. According to Captain William Fisher, he and members of his group will monitor events at MOVE headquarters and stay with the caravan through the city. Philadelphia police will alert New Jersey law enforcement when the convoy nears the Ben Franklin Bridge. Lieutenant Robert English, the spokesperson for the Cherry Hill Police Department, said that officials had been in touch with MOVE and expected the protest to be peaceful. This is Art Simons, the mayor of Cherry Hill at the time. We closed the township building and sent everybody home, and nothing really happened. My recollection is that there was no major protest, and it was a lot of to do about nothing. But to be honest with you, at the time, I recall wondering if there was going to be another part to the story, another shooter drop. Cherry Hill police shut down streets around the municipal building, and MOVE supporters and members, all wearing the same black t-shirt showing the helicopter image from the deadly May 13, 1985 confrontation, are yelling on bullhorns, holding signs with messages defaming John Gilbride, and warning authorities this could result in another May 13th. 
After almost two hours, the move group disperses, with the greater number of people directed to Alberta's house, and the press follow. A select group that includes Kevin Price are given a secret activity. It was all white supporters who left and went to Ryan's run in Maple Shade. If they're giving the address and where to go, does that indicate to you that somebody from the MOVE organization had been at that address before? I would certainly think so. The secret activity is to put a MOVE flyer in the mailboxes of all 200 apartments at Ryan's Run, with the last mailbox being John Gilbride's. This is the MOVE flyer I shared back in the episode Ryan's Run, so I'm not going to read it again, but instead just share the defamatory gist of this flyer. John is a wife beater and a deadbeat dad with a shady background, possibly criminal, and that Ryan's Run residents should have serious concerns about John being their neighbor. This flyer purposely doesn't mention Move and is not signed by Move, but instead concerned friends of Ryan's Run. That's a similar sign-off used by Move back in Powelton Village in 1977-1978, concerned residents of Powelton Village, and after secret Move member Mumia Abu-Jamal is arrested for killing Philadelphia police officer Daniel Faulkner in 1982. International concerned friends and family of Mumia Abu-Jamal. Both of these groups were run by Pam Africa, pretending not to be a MOVE member. John Gilbride has no idea that MOVE has descended upon Cherry Hill and his apartment building. He's been at work all day at the Philadelphia airport and is headed to Cherry Hill in an attempt to pick up Zach for his court-ordered weekend visitation. This will be John's second attempt. John pulls up to Alberta's house to see MOVE supporters on the front lawn speaking to news cameras, and he sees Ramona Africa. This is John's dad, Jack Gilbride. Protesters were all over the place and he couldn't even get to the door. He called the Cherry Hill police to come and all they suggested was, why don't you leave town and get out of here? Oh, and that's when he went to Vegas. That's when he went to Vegas. Six days before his murder, John flies to Las Vegas. While back at MOVE headquarters in Philadelphia, it is a 1985 deja vu. I think it's super obvious that MOVE was trying their hardest to escalate this thing as far as they could. There was a panicked desperation. I remember them telling us that the cops was going to come in to kill us. Not everybody is a cult leader with, you know, who has mind control over 50 to 60 people. He's also a psychotic narcissist. If it comes down to it, she herself would shoot back in the head and then shoot herself in the head. That and more coming up next time on Murder at Ryan's Run. If you are finding our podcast informational, I would appreciate it if you would rate, review, and share. Also, if you would follow us on social media where you will find bonus content as well as investigative and podcast updates. Thanks for listening. The producers wish to stress that all individuals referenced in this podcast series are presumed innocent unless or until they are proven guilty beyond a reasonable doubt in a court of law in the United States of America.